Welcome, friends, to another podcast brought to you by Of Leadership. I'm Alex. I'm John. And I'm Zach. And we're going to be looking into leader and change. Uh, well, how a leader deals with change, not and change. Like, I'm thinking a leader and stuff. Like uh, a gallon and change. <laughs> I'd like a two liter of Coke and my one cent back, please. <laughs> yes. Or your, what did you, you had like a 20 cent nickel that... Yeah, I had a nickel and another nickel that's worth 25 cents. So how much money do I have? 10 cents or 30 cents? I'm glad no. that made it into two episodes. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh-huh. And, you know, our mathematicians out there really love this. Uh, shout out to Adam Harder, who is our frog man and our calculus. Yeah, he's running the numbers in his head as we speak. Yes. Um, so we're going to be talking about such things as that uh, as we come along. Um, but we might as well recap our last episode, was, which was about making sense out of change. So what was that about? Or as I like to call it, people don't change and neither should you. <laughs> because... That's not true. <laughs> so is it like a double negative there? Or double what? negative, yeah. Well, uh-huh. actually, it's like a slimy salesman. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, just do what I'm telling you because I know best. Just yeah. listen to me. Yeah, specifically, if you listen to that episode, there was, there's some deep philosophical, theoretical items. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Lots of food for thought, but we don't give you any change. Nope. uh, Some would say some concretioning for this episode. Yes. Concretioning makes a reappearance. We sort of laid the cement last episode, and this is the (laughs) concretioning of all of that good stuff. There we go. It's it's like a celebration of concrete. That's what it sounds like to me. So last episode, we talked about some factors that lead to change, and then we answered the question, well, since everyone hates change, then why does it happen? And then we moved on to, well... If change is a thing, then what happens to a system when there is change? And so, if you want the answers to those questions, which is the groundwork for this episode, Mm -hmm. then go listen to it. But, we're going to talk about leadership and change now. Indeed. I think this is episode 60. Have we talked about it? Oh, yes. It is episode 60? 60, yes. The 1960 presidential election. Mm. It's a momentous election in American history, for those that are familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, gentlemen, gentlemen, either the two candidates for the 1960 presidential election. Hmm. Let's think through this. Um. So one of them was assassinated. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy. So that was the winner. Uh Who did he run against in 1960? He was vice president from 1952 through 1960 and then became president in 1968. His name, as I draw from memory, was Nickel McBee. (laughs) Let's go with Richard Milhouse Nixon. Oh, Milhouse. Mm, I like it. From Mm -hmm. the Simpsons fame. And he came back. He did That's come, nice. He did come back. Uh-huh. 1960 election, Richard Nixon versus John F. Kennedy. <laughs> the reason that this is a momentous election and we're talking about change is this was the first time in American history where we had live presidential debates on TV. Oh. Oh, the beginning of media influence on society. That's correct. And media influence on campaigns. And in our last podcast, we talked about gradual change and how it impacts various aspects. So think about this. With the rise of TV, individual candidates could connect directly with the voters, Mm -hmm. leading to the weakening of the political party. 
there's today's political fact the for you. The weakening? Weakening of the political parties. The weakening. So wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, love like the Whig party? <laughs> <laughs> Probably my favorite party. Uh-huh. The Whig party. The Whig. I like it. <laughs> so the weakening of the political party. Does see <laughs> the Whig Political party and other political parties. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's no party like a political party, yes. I might add. So, episode 60, and here we go. All right, so we looked to, we're looking at a leader and change, and we have three questions that we'll consider. Should a leader initiate change? If so, how to do so? We'll also look at what factors should a leader consider regarding the speed and frequency of change, and then what should a leader expect when leading through change. And and gentlemen, let's not kid ourselves. We're not going to treat these questions separately. One, two, and three. This is a large discussion Mm -hmm. about leaders and change. And so we'll start with the first question, then we'll see where we go with that. Should a leader be the one to initiate change? And if so, how to do so? What are your thoughts on that question? Hmm. Well, based off of our last podcast. I'm thinking about the chronic anxiety that would be swirling around. Somebody needs to put their foot down and say, you know what, we got to change things up around here because I don't like what's going on. So my guess is that the leader, whoever has the most influence with it, which whatever system they're in will inevitably make the change that needs to happen for survivability. Now, is it thoughtfully done? I don't know, but it's done. I'm just thinking off of 60, our example. Mm-hmm. Dying is probably not the best way to impact change on a system. Right. Don't, I don't know how the conspiracy theories go, but don't hire an assassin to kill you or fake kill you. Continue. <laughs> so all that to say is don't, don't be a president that dies. <laughs> I guess. Unless people generally don't like you, in which case... Maybe it's the real power move. So for those that are taking notes, <laughs> rewind that segment and jot that one down for you. So anyway, on to real thoughts, John. <laughs> what do you got for me? Well, I'm just asking, the, you know, the question is, is should a leader initiate change? And Alex, you talked about earlier about uh, a leader seeing chronic anxiety. Mm-hmm. So seeing the system, seeing a problem or something that needs to be addressed mm-hmm. and saying, this is what we're going to do about that. Yep. And uh, versus just sitting there thinking, hmm, I think we should change just for the sake of change. Mm-hmm. Because we know that when someone decides to make a change in any type of situation, you're going to have the inevitable yeah. pushback and, and disruption in the homeostasis of that. So should they initiate change? Zach? I would say, based off of just general thoughtfulness, so last episode I examined this through the lens of chronic anxiety and acute anxiety, and I'll get into that in just a second, but I want to start with um, the leader as a self lending his self um, in terms of a conscious choice to look at himself, to look at his role and responsibility, and to say, okay, what are we about? You know, like that whole guiding principle things, like what are we about? And also, what are the objectives that we need to meet? 
you know so aligning your um, process and your purpose like how are you going to do something and what needs done and so on a high level saying like immediately like what goes against that or how can we better align with the way we need to be so i'm thinking like a change for the sake of change to align yourself with a guiding principle might be you know we want to be more catering to our customers in a way that we like it's not just about billing them but about giving them the best product that we can for the best cost that we can you know Mm -hmm. like and reminding the people who are working of that rather than letting their perspective be on maximizing billable time or (laughs) minimizing the amount of work that they have to do or whatever individual guiding principles could possibly be at conflict with those larger scale principles that you want to um i always want to use the word of face here but it's always the opposite of what i mean what you want to present as your forward-facing company you know these are the things that we are about and so um the leader needs to lend himself in a way that he empowers people to do that and he makes sure that people know what they're supposed to be about as a part of the system that they're in I liked what you said about guiding principles. So when I look at should a leader initiate change, I think the answer is yes. Uh, And I think it's responding to outside forces and the leader responding to those outside forces. But I think whatever changes are done, uh, it's helpful if they're tied to something that the leader really believes is the right thing. And so guiding principles, having a, a vision and an idea of what the organization or what the person's about, being open to the perspective of others and some ideas on how that might look. But I really think the leader sets the tone for change. And I think it's the leader's responsibility to, to take that change seriously. Mm -hmm. And you have to know your system. So you are going to perform some sort of a change within the system. And it is up to you to figure out what that system can take at that certain amount of time. Right. And so being aware of what the system can do, how much chronic anxiety are you looking at? And if you make this change, really understanding what the backlashes are, which we're going to get, to get into. Yeah, so I want to go to the second question, which is you've, you've, you started to hit upon, is uh, what factors should a leader consider uh, when regarding the speed and frequency of change? And mm-hmm. you, you said something about uh, you need to be familiar with your system or the people. Can you say more to that? Like what's something a leader would look at regarding knowing my people or knowing the organization or the group I'm part of mm-hmm. and and regarding speed and frequency of change? Um, you started with guiding principles and so did Zach. Um, are the guiding principles that you are formatting your change through are those similar guiding principles to the system you're in? Are there some guiding principles that overlap that might be easier to put out those changes initially? And then you can start trickling in some of your maybe higher level difference guiding principle changes. Do you have an example of that for me? So let's say you're part of a system and they are about integrity. It's been about integrity. They've always been about integrity. And so like, but now, you know, over time, that's kind of been lost. People haven't been using that word as, as much, but it's still embedded in the system and it's been part of that system for a long time. And as the leader comes through it, it's like, this is part of me too. I just need to like dust this 
off a little bit and we can bring this integrity back. Are, are there roots there that okay, have been yeah. there within the system that you can, you can pull together? Or in a lot of ways, um, the way I think about this too is, can you identify the other giant influencers within your system and can you understand where that system's been through them and what do they think are the guiding principles of the overall system? Just not from your view as a singular person, but looking at all the influencers within the system, trying to figure out what the guiding principles they think are there and then melding those together into yours. Because my guess is that your top influencers, the people, your top leaders of your system, whoever they may be, are probably your your strongest. They want they want this system to go in the right direction, and so you're going to have somewhat. You're going to have some guiding principles that probably overlap. I, I'm just thinking of education, Alex. You and I are familiar with that, and Zach, I'd be interested in your industry and see if there's guiding principles. But I think in education, if you got a group of teachers together and said, "What are you about? Why did you enter the profession?" Um, I think a couple things come out. Mm-hmm. I think you know we love, we care about kids, yep. and we want to provide them an excellent education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate to use the word pedagogical, so I won't use that word. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. So instead, I'll use the word, we want to be excellent in the craft that we do. So those two things, I think virtually all educators can get on page. So you talked about guiding principles mm-hmm. of, okay, we can all, this is a triangle, by the way, two insiders and an outsider. The insiders are me and or us as teachers looking at a common outside a goal, which is loving kids and providing an excellent education. Mm-hmm. So if we can agree on those things, then we can let the educators go and do those things yep. at the speed of cha- uh, change and the pace that they're comfortable with while encouraging more and more growth. So I think that the speed and frequency of change is up to, and I like your point about I can. I have to know my people and what they can take. What outside influences are impacting them beyond the the, the educational realm, uh, but continually rehashing the guiding principles we have of loving kids and providing excellent education. And is this covering when we talked about uh, Doctor Rock's scarf model? I mean, how many of those letters are you covering? Are you are you giving them? Security when you're doing this, are you? Mm-hmm. Give, is there certainty? Is there autonomy? Is there relatedness? Is there fairness throughout this? Mm-hmm. Those are huge, and if you can cover those things, I, I think that's gonna. Uh, it, you can bring a lot of stability through to a system by by offering those things and, and giving some structure for those th- things to manifest. It helps calm the system yes. and allows for change to be more effective. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, in a lot of ways, allows those people within your system to borrow self from you by you by you showing those guiding principles. Mm-hmm. And I think as the leader examines his own responsibility to engage with different things, I think on one level, it's good to examine, are you a leader in position or are you a leader in influence? Mm-hmm. And if you're a leader in position but not by influence chances are you're an ineffectual leader and that probably needs examined and I've been in that situation before where I've had an ineffectual leader over the company um, with a lack of engagement with the specific department that I was a part of and it led to just a lot of chronic anxiety a lot of group think and gossip regarding that and just a general lack of motivation that led to a toxic atmosphere. So there were byproducts of that, even though I would say in large regard, they were 
not influential in the system. Their influence was influential in the toxicity that it let led to the environment, if that's ironic enough. I'm just curious. So you mentioned a couple different leaders. Were they competent in their craft or their technical knowledge of the, the field itself? Sure. Sure. In, in one instance that led was less um, dysfunctional of a environment, the, the issue was largely that they were good at their job. They were just disconnected from the part of the company that was um, able to operate on its own with less oversight. And on the other hand, the person may have been good at their job at one time, but because of their distance from this part of the company and the uncertainty of what they were about, what they were getting out of it, except that whenever they did, it caused issues. Mm -hmm. Um, they, like they weren't actually involved in the business process and it led to Mm. complications and it was just an interesting environment that largely like they weren't a bad person. They weren't a bad leader per se, but they were ineffective Mm -hmm. and the lack of certainty, the uncertainty of fairness, um, the the lack of relatedness, the inability to relate to that person led to a lot of conflict and doubt about why they were there, um, the future of the company, you know, things along those lines. Um, so yeah. I, uh, I was reminded of a quote that I've seen on the back of some shirts that we've had at school. John, the best place um, to get mm -hmm. guiding principles. It's a great, it's a blue shirt that I, in some ways did not like wearing, but uh, uh, that's for other reasons. But um, on the back of the shirt, it was a quote by Gandhi. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. this quote. It says, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as we've been talking about this, it, I mean, it makes sense from a, from the way that we're talking about this, right? So you need to live by those guiding principles. If you're going to decide to make these changes, uh, it makes them a lot easier if you have those guiding principles. So they talk about role models and they talk about, you know, other quotes that I've seen, like, you, you, you know, show the change by not saying any words, you know, stuff like that, where you yeah. like, you don't have to say a whole lot of stuff, but you can still be the change that needs to be there. Well, why is that? Because people then understand where you're coming from. They know what to expect from you. Right. And so then they can, in turn, since they know that that will calm the system, um, and there's a lot of benefits to that too. Yeah. And so to jump back, are you a leader in influence or are you a leader in position and mm-hmm. are, do those overlap or not? And regardless of whether you're a leader in position or not, you can be a leader in influence. You can let people know what you're about and you can show your guiding principles. Mm-hmm. And amidst that self-awareness, amidst gaining perspective as to your role in the system, in it all. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like using this as a framework, this, this three question system, and I'm sure I've said it before, but it's, it specifically has to do with knowing when you should speak or not. And I've used it a lot personally. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it pertains to, to more. Does this need said, does this need said now, does this need said now by me? And you can think of that in the same way, you know, what are the needs? Is it urgent? Mm -hmm. And am I the one who needs to bring this about? And I think that that attacks us on three different levels. Like, Mm. like, is this something that I'm putting out there Mm -hmm. that's important to me or is it actually important? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Follow that up with, Mm -hmm. is it urgent? Right. Is this something that if it's unaddressed now, um, that 
it, it will cause problems or is it something that we can push off that, that there's other bigger fish to fry or, um, a better time to address it. And then following that up with like, am I the one who needs to, to be the proponent of this? Do I need to be the face of this or is there someone else I can empower? I think that's uh, a big failure that we often do is we don't partner with other people um, and promoting their skill sets, we often focus on shoring up weaknesses. How can we get rid of inefficiencies rather than how can we be even better at what we're good at? Hmm. Boy, I like the idea of being thoughtful in change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we look at our last question about what's a leader to expect in change, uh, I think, Zach, you've kind of hit on an important point of that change is going to cause some uncomfortableness um, in, among some. Some will be more uh, more difficulty with the change than others. Um, individuals who have in their own life have other stressors, maybe at the workplace, a change is really difficult for them more than it might be for someone else. But that you mentioned the idea of kind of being thoughtful and methodical about change and understand that a system is going to respond to change oftentimes in negative ways and and not everyone's going to express that negativity but a small percentage of individuals will be perhaps very vocal of that and how do i maintain myself in the midst of the increased anxiety of change i think that's really important to think about now you you talked about the speed of change you know how how quickly do you need to change um a, a system I, I think that that comes back to what you're talking about, John, of introspection. Um, I mean, what kind of system are you walking into? Is the change needed this badly, this quickly? Right. And and you even said this too, Zach, of like, is this what needs to be done right now at this point in time? That might be true. But as you just said, you're going to, I mean, if the quick, my guess is that the quicker, I would would theorize that the quicker the change, the more backlash you're going to have. You know, um, it's interesting because I think about like, you know, it's hard for me not to think about the Cleveland Browns who went like one for 31, you know, and then all of a sudden they have a new coach and now they're a totally different team. Um, And that was a structural change that needed to happen to give, it's interesting, to give players and other people within the building more freedom. You know, this whole, this whole point of allowing people to do their jobs the best they can, if that's a change that seems to work a lot better that it's really does come back to that scarf model. You know, are you in a position because you want to hold all the power or are you going to let it, you know, slip through your, not slip through your fingers, but allow it to manifest out. Um, I also find it interesting. uh, This happened today actually in class and, um, there were some students not doing what they were supposed to be doing. Um, classic. Yeah. And so, (laughs) but it's, but it was within student council and student council is a student led organization. And so there was a group that was mad because these people weren't doing what they're supposed to be doing and they were in their group. And so they told me, and then I was like, that was interesting. I can handle this right now. Should I handle this right now? I don't know, but as a student council, so I, I talked to our officers and told them about it. And then eventually they hand, like, I didn't have to do anything cause they handled it. It was just interesting. There's a point, there comes a point to where do you have to make all the moves? Do you have to, do you have to do that every single time? Perhaps in the beginning to, sh- to set the structure, but like, I don't know if people know what the expectation is and they know what the guiding principles are. Do you necessarily have to always, like you said, Zach is like, do you always have to say, you know, 
I, I think back to just the most relatable thing ever is at least for me and I'm assuming for you, John, and now is you're becoming more emotionally connected to your lady friend, Alex. Yes. I just like the, the emotional venting that is not asking for a problem to be fixed. You know, that whole stereotype of like men are just trying to fix the problem. But like, it's true though. Like you have to ask yourself the question, is this something that I need to fix or not? Mm -hmm. The recognition that if you're in a system where the principles are clearly defined, the processes are there, there's a trust built where people are empowered to resolve things themselves and no one supersedes that. They don't jump into triangling things where they shouldn't or things are going to get resolved and maybe you're only hearing about it as a way to vent some of that anxiety and being a leader with nerve, a leader who's solid in himself and knows when to act thoughtfully and when to not act thoughtfully. What you've done is effectively influence the system Mm -hmm. without ever having done anything. Yeah. I've noticed this a lot more um, in myself. Like I ask my question, I ask, have they actually asked me to do anything? Oh, that's a very good thought. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Have they asked me to do anything? So those girls today, they were just, you know, they're just telling me what was going on. They didn't actually tell me to do anything about it. And so yeah. I just kind of relayed the message to some other people. And then nobody, still nobody asked me to do anything about it. So it was kind of like, if you're not going to ask me to do anything about it, then I'm not saying I'm not going to do something, but like something to that. You yeah, know? And that just draws what you really me. Want? That, What's your expectation of me? That whole question thing draws me into, I have one particular friend who will just talk the daylights out of you. And a lot of it seems to be something that like begs for your perspective or begs for advice or it's cause it's all like, I, I want to say gossipy that has some connotations, but it's this idea of like, it's something that seems like you wouldn't be talking about it unless there was a need for it to be addressed for some perspective to be added, but you know, you can see it. I'm talking to him and I say what I want to say. I try and influence, I give him advice and we all know how we feel this group, this of leadership group feels about advice. And if you don't go check out that episode, but you can see you give him advice. And then what does he do? You can see him rewind to where he had ended, right? As if I had never said anything and he continues and you almost could have just edited my, Mm -hmm. my comments right out of there and nothing would have been different. And it's so funny because if I had asked myself, was there something asked of me? I could have just said, okay. And it would have continued. (laughs) But I'm wondering when a leader goes ahead and, and, sees a need and then offers a solution even before it's asked. Is there a time, do you think, for a leader to do that? I I can think of a parent and child where a parent might, certainly a, a very, very small child, a, a child is not, you know, a parent might be um, take the initiative and do something for a child without the child asking that might seem prudent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where is that line at where, and I'm just wondering where your thoughts are of, when a leader waits to be asked to help with a situation. So change leads to, so let's be let's frame this, change leads to anxiety. It's going to increase anxiety in the system. People are going to be more reactive. The leader is going to sense that reactivity and themselves feel that anxiety. That's emotional process. Mm-hmm. When does a leader address that on their own initiative to maybe placate the emotional process in themselves and in the system? 
And when should they wait for the system to ask them for some type of assistance? Is there a third option where the leader can ask questions of the people who are maybe venting to them to help them make the change themselves? To help them think through yeah, it. Like yeah, like where, where where's, you know, what part of this is your problem versus yeah. mine? Maybe just not saying okay. Mm-hmm. No offense, Zach. Well, actually offense. You know what? I'm taking offense. Give me offense. <laughs> but instead saying, you know, well, you know, asking those questions and helping them think through it. And they might even be asking for that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe I, there's some part of that too. To, to I don't know. I hear what you're saying. On though, that. Yeah. You, you have this idea of like questions to provoke thoughtful consideration. And some people just aren't ready for that because mm-hmm. of the emotionality. Yes. Um, but we know that what ifs cause anxiety, right? They do. But a mark of someone who has thoughtfully considered something is a general awareness of outcomes outside mm-hmm. of that what if yes. i know that if i do this then this will happen and it is a mode of rational thought not a mode of emotional thought it's not a fearful oh if i do this then will this happen it's a rational if i do this well this is probably the consequence a reminder of consequences and i think that that's a helpful tool for leaders to proceed things is to say hey this is a consequence of this and that reminder might help to provoke rational thought regarding a situation hey kiddo your papa here talking trying to drop some wisdom on you just a reminder if you come home at 1101 this is the consequence right and i don't know really how that pertains to any other example but (laughs) rather than saying like hey like Remember, be home at 11, be home at 11, be home at 11. It's, well, I know they're going to be late. They've been late before. I don't want them to feel like I'm just attacking them when they roll in at 1130. So I'm going to remind them, hey, if you show up late at 1101, here are the consequences. These are the boundaries. These are um, the rules of operation. Mm -hmm. And like emotionality has no part in that. Like Mm -hmm. that's just, it is what it is. And Mm -hmm. that's a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. And letting that child or whoever we're leading decide what they're going to do with that and experience the consequences of that. Yeah, I would say back to your question about when does a leader then jump in? Mm-hmm. Like when did they placate? It, I feel like I mean, there's simple ones, right? Where it's uh, it, are we to a point to now where it needs to be acute anxiety? You know, where we need to fight flight, you know, we need to do that. Is, is it, has it reached that point where it's a safety issue or something like that? You know, how important is this issue? And the leader needs to identify how important that is to the overall system. Now to an individual, it's going to, it's going to seem very, very important to somebody if they're, they're talking about those things. But, um, I don't know. I feel like there's some sort of teetering point to where, to, to be able to understand, okay, how is this affecting the overall system? Is this only to a couple people? Is this only to like one tiny section of it? You know, um, and I'm going to contrast that with impacting the system versus impacting me. Yes. Cause if I sense the disapproval Ooh. of another, maybe I'm more likely to over function and, yeah. and jump in because the the perceived disapproval or heightened anxiety is making me anxious. Yeah. So I want to I want to put that 
put that to rest, mm. which is a subtle form of sabotage, trying to get the leader to go back to the way things used to be and all below the level of conscious awareness. So I think it's really important to make that distinction between the two of those. Mm-hmm. I love that. I was like, next level. Oh, I've seen that recently and it, uh, I, if I'm hearing you right, a, a leader addressing something to the system when it needs to be directed to an individual or a small oh, group absolutely. of individuals. Oh, yes. And let me tell you, that just jacks up the anxiety. Oh, and people are like, where is this problem coming from? I was aware <laughs> of it. I was not aware of it. And just right over there, I'm just thinking, man, like, you're talking to one kid in a group of 30, 40, like, come on, bro. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, another side of that is, I think practically for a leader, a way to think about this is we want to provoke clear cons- communication and considerate thought like we want to be understanding of why we do what we do when we do what we do it and we want people to know that right that is to say rather than the assumption of responsibility make it explicit figure out who's responsible for what especially you know in those objective situations just be like you either as a leader trust someone to do something So remind them that it's their responsibility Mm -hmm. and trust them. But if you can't do that, understand that you have now assumed responsibility because of your inability to trust someone. And likely that's an indication of a need of change. Someone needs to change something for you to be able to trust them. And so that's a whole different conversation. Mm -hmm. Or just let them do what they're going to do and get your hands out of the honeypot. So gentlemen, as we wrap up, I'm going to... Uh, give you an analogy and I want you to fill in the blank. So you're familiar with analogies? Analogies are, I I compare two things and then I give you the option of comparing something to something else. So here it is. We end our podcast thinking about leadership and change. A leader is to a system as peanut butter is to blank. I'll say that again. The leader is to the system as peanut butter is to blank. What goes in the blank and why? A a cup. And why do you say cup? Well, you can't have a Reese cup without the peanut butter. Just like you can't have a system without a leader? Boom. Okay. I mean, the arrogance of that. (laughs) Oh, Alex, I hope you're never in a position of leadership, say it's 30 students. (laughs) On a daily basis. On a daily. On the daily, as the kids say. So, so Zach, the leader is to the system as peanut butter is to blank. A leader is to the system as peanut butter is to the banana on a peanut butter and banana sandwich. Right. (sighs) I see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't like peanut butter banana sandwiches? Uh, no, I'm not a big fan. Oh, baby, nothing better. <laughs> I prefer mine open-faced, but that's just personal Gross. preference. How about this? Peanut butter and jelly and potato chip sandwich. Ever try one? Uh, no. They get a little salty with the sweet. Oh, ben and Jerry's late night snack, now discontinued favorite ice cream of all time. We're talking ice cream with potato chips, 
covered in chocolate and you're like what's going on but you bite down on that chocolate chunk and there's some crunch to that it's awesome (laughs) and then you got the ice cream mixed in with that it's just delicious and my my current replacement is handles uh graham central station Uh the the graham cracker bits mixed in with whatever that crunchy oh yeah oh it's just Mm -hmm. amazing Mm -hmm. support local handles everywhere this is an unpaid sponsorship (laughs) So it seems, gentlemen, that we have we have we're done with this topic. Yes, for now, it's not as if we're ever going to talk about change again. Sure, uh, for sure, there's always a, always an issue within leadership, all the time, happens every day. So, um, but if you'd like to get a hold of us. You can contact us at ofleadership at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can find us on our website, ofleadership.com. You can find us on Facebook at fb.me backslash ofleadership. And you can find us on Twitter at com backslash of leadership one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> go to the search bar. Just go I don't to the know. search bar. That that'd probably be good. So, um, but with that, uh, a couple other songs. I, I brought you a couple songs last time. A little David Bowie changes. Mm. There's a couple more I was thinking of. So we've got two more that I can think of um, that you can listen to the rest of this month of October and one uh, by Keen everybody's changing if I remember correctly the lyric goes everybody's changing and I don't feel the same so mm. like a little systematic mm. you know thing. nice no that's real nice and then you have of course you have Coldplay we never change do we and there's mm. just a question which actually is a it's a throwback to the last episode but you know mm-hmm. you could just kind of put those on repeat with changes by David Bowie um, and how about Eddie Money with change anything by Eddie Money and change is good <laughs> Zach, do you have any uh, change change music? Oh, I do. I, I remember crying to this song um, <laughs> just in college. I, I don't remember how I found it or exactly why. I was just so teary-eyed. It, it brought tears to my eyes. It reminded me of my favorite TV show, Scrubs. And I was just like, this song was either played on it or... It's the spirit song of this show, and Scrubs has great a great soundtrack anyway, but it's called Everything Has Changed by Williams Fitzsimmons. He's an uh. artist who, had, who, who has a degree, is able to be a therapist, you know. He's able to prescribe drugs, I believe. I think that's what therapist means. He's not just giving you free advice or paid advice as a counselor would. He's he giving like, you the drugs, too. He can give you the drugs, too, drugs. as I completely, you know, destroy whatever therapists actually do i'm sorry if you listen i'm sorry Abram. but 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 he he not only did he choose to be a musician because he it was like his therapy to himself but like he's got albums on albums about his divorce <laughs> like he's still going through that and like and i think in this song everything has changed he's just talking about mm. to make the end of our episode so much longer he's just talking about <laughs> how his father was blind and wouldn't trust his mother and like how it affected him and his wow. brother growing up as they ran away to like hide from their dad and you know it's just like wow. it's a very very vivid it's like a song. case study in itself. I'm telling you, it sounds terrifying. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to send him an email, see if we can get him on an episode now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah, William Fitzsimmons. William Fitzsimmons, please, you would make my dreams come true if somehow uh-huh. you're a fan of Bones Family Systems Theory. You please. make my dreams come true, another song. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. 
All in oats. All in oats, baby. Get that scholarship Guys, going. since uh-huh. we don't make money off of this, can we like play these songs like just at the end? Is that allowed? All at the same time, just overlapping <laughs> each other. So you really can't understand any of them. Anyways, with that, I'm Alex. I'm John. And I'm Zach. And we will talk to you next time. See you around. Everything has changed. <laughs>